But first, the apple of my eye in Laura Tingle. Laura, uh, the new government has decided to revive uh, Paul Keating's Creative Nation policy of 1994, or perhaps Simon Crean's short-lived Creative Australia from 2013. Or any of the other iterations, really, Philip, sort of from Goff onwards, really. Um, but it it's, uh, it has it's um, it's it's called revive, as you say, and um, it's it's interesting. Uh, I I've been down in Melbourne for the launch of the policy at the SB, as it's known, the Esplanade Hotel in St Kilda, and um, it's it was sort of a quite a strange morning in in re- relatively recent political times to hear a lot of people from the arts and cultural sector you know being really happy to be alive and sort of being very enthusiastic about a government and all those things it's it's there's been a lot of focus on the money that, that has been announced um and there is more money but you know relatively speaking it's sort of a bit piddling i think the really important things and the things that uh, the government's done, which the arts community were incredibly enthusiastic about today, were sort of structural changes which uh, put new focus on sectors like contemporary music, um, fix things like uh, local content rules and um, streaming platforms, uh, and start to pay authors for uh, royalties for ebooks. Uh, so it's sort of interesting. It's not once been about tax deductions or or, uh, you know, grants. It's really been about restructuring things and trying to support industries which are already pretty effective but feel like they haven't uh, been seen until now. You know, I was on Goff's team 50 years ago. That's why when, I mentioned when, it, Philip. When, <laughs> you know, when I was, I was it giving was you a full so, toss there. <laughs> it was so exhilarating. But the key thing was, you know, at the time that Nugget Coombs and I persuaded Goff to be the Minister for the Arts himself. Mm. And uh, that, of course, gave it an extra, extra Sh- impetus. Va, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is looking, you know, as I look over the recommendations, and the, it seems that I think Goff would be very pleased and proud. Well, he probably would be, Philip. But, I mean, it's it's interesting. I was reflecting on this. I mean, I was a mere child at, the, at that time, but... You look at the iterations of how the arts have sort of surged in our national consciousness. Um, you know, uh, it was film, particularly at that at that early stage, and then um, you know in the eighties and nineties we had sort of film once again. We had contemporary music, you know, just booming on the international stage. But you've now got this sort of slightly strange position where um, uh, the, the head of APRA, which is sort of the you know performing arts music body, um, uh, the chair of that, Jenny Morris, who um, is known very well to a lot of your listeners, um, was saying that it, we've got these artists who are within the top ten of all-time Shazam and Spotify downloads, which, you know, is, is the new thing. Um, they've just done that by themselves and now the government is essentially saying, look, we're, we're here to help. Uh, and it's not about giving massive amounts of money, but it's it's recognising that contemporary music is a massive industry. It's a massive cultural touchstone point for a large section of the Australian community, and it's as valuable as a lot of the sort of high arts, if you like, 
and and the government is saying, well, you know, we're going to help you get into international markets, which in an age of, where you don't make money out of selling albums and CDs, um, for those of us a certain generation, is where you make your money. And um, as the Minister for the Arts, Tony Burke, said, um, it's a bit like Austrade, only with rhythm, which was, you know, <laughs> I've got to say, I'll pay that line. Well, the stats are pretty awe-inspiring. The arts industry is worth $17 billion. Yeah. It employs 400,000 Australians. Yeah, well, it's, it, yeah. it's, let me rephrase that. It is underemployed 400,000 Australians. Yeah, it, it's, it, they're staggering numbers. Um, they're sort of generally overlooked. Um, you know, there was some, I've got to say, there were some great lines today at the launch, you know, like, it's not a hobby, it's a job. Once again, quoting Jenny Morris, um, you know, one of the one of the things that she's been pushing for hardest is that they're going to have a scheme where they take people from the industry into schools and show them how you can make a living out of these industries from writing songs, from from performing, and you know, making it sound like a viable way of um, making a crust and 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 sort of seeing it as a valuable contribution to the community rather than just something you do in your spare time. Whilst honour has to be played to John Gordon for his role in the uh, energising of Australian culture, but particularly film, it's mm. interesting that uh, when Keating... Well, Keating was never satisfied with simply being Treasurer or Prime Minister. He became de facto Arts Minister. Mm. And when he launched Creative Nation in 1994, kicked in $250 million. And that puts us, I guess, today's uh, 286 million into perspective. It does. Look, there's not a lot of money around, let's be perfectly frank. Um, and uh, there's a group called New Approach, which is sort of like an arts and culture think tank, a bit like the Grattan Institute. And Kate Fielding from there sort of says, look, you know, we're, we're basically at like, tw I think it's 28 out of 31 OECD countries in terms of what we spend on the arts. And per capita, we're spending less now than we were a few years ago because our population's growing, but our spend isn't. And of course, our community is becoming much more diverse and complex. Not just you know in a sort of um, uh, you know multinational sense, but you know in terms of you know spending in the regions and spending in local communities and all those sorts of things. Uh, but uh, I think that's sort of what's interesting because it would have been quite possible that people looked at the dollar amounts here and sort of said, well, this is all pretty, you know, minuscule. Um, but I think the government has done things which d does try to sort of create support networks, particularly under First Nations artists and under, under the, for the first time under the contemporary music industry. And, and that's going to be interesting to see how that develops into other sectors. Well, it's a dramatic change from a time when, uh, well, under, the, under Morrison there was no dedicated arts minister. And I understand that Scott didn't like attending arts openings. Well, all of those things. But I, I suppose um, the, the sort of, you know, the, the sort of... The scar that ran underneath, you know, at the political level today was, uh, you remember when the pandemic started, suddenly everybody was out of work, but particularly, you know, in sectors like the performing arts, it was just gone overnight. And, you know, people didn't just lose their day-to-day -day income, but 
Um, I mean, we interviewed um, Nicolette Freon on uh, 7.30 last week, who is the outgoing conductor of the Australian Ballet, and she was talking about how dancers sort of lost their, you know, their, their capacity to, um, to practice, to rehearse, and as a result, you know, like a lot of sports people, they lost their physical capacity to do their job. And one of the things that, uh, you know, it was really um, devastating for the performing arts was that uh, Scott Morrison made that uh, spectacular um, distinction between the roadies. You know, he said, said oh, well, we'll support all the roadies and, and technicians behind the scenes in the arts. But basically the, the former government wouldn't support the actual artists. You know, they were basically relegated to the bottom of the pile as somehow not serious people who were running their own small businesses, who were, you know, who were working to support their families, all those things, but a lot of them just didn't get access to JobKeeper because of the way they quite deliberately, I think, designed the system. Um, and, um, you know, I think people try to just get past that, but it's something that you know, it's pretty hard to forget. Of course, the squeeze on the ABC and SBS wasn't uh, wasn't the only thing going on. There were budget cuts to the Australia Council, which forced them to cut back enormously on their funding programs. There were, uh, and um, the government has been making, you know, the most of saying we're restoring that funding. Now, of course, that only just takes the arts back to where they were before the cuts were made. Um, I think that's particularly hit the visual arts um, because the the Australia Council until now has spent a lot of money, you know, funding the big uh, the the big organisations. You know, whether it's the Australian Ballet, um, the uh, Opera Australia, a, a lot of the big theatre companies. There wasn't a lot of discretionary spending at the edges, but a lot of that did go into the visual arts. Um, so they were the ones who've been hard hit on that. And one of the things that I suppose I'm still getting my head around is um, the, the, the uh, changes that the government has announced to Australia Council funding. So as I understand it, it's not going to just be a matter of you going to the Australia Council and saying, we want a grant for X project for our institution. It's going to be a sort of a new series of bodies which will give a much more diverse range of um, support uh, to, um, you know, First Nations artists, uh, contemporary music uh, in particular, because they've been sort of a bit underrepresented in the past. But I think also just um, it won't just be about giving it to institutions. It'll be, you know, being a bit more... Um, It'll be a bit more nuanced than that, shall we say. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how it works. Well, all praise to Tony Burke and indeed the Prime Minister sing his praises at the launch. But let's, let's now switch to a slightly different topic. Mm. Elbow spoke extensively on The Voice and called for the artists of Australia to support it. He did. And, of course, uh, I think there's... Uh, I mean, I don't know what sort of commentary you get about all of this, Philip, but, I mean, certainly a lot of people I've spoken to are, are concerned about where the voice debate is going. Whether they support the voice or not, they're just saying, you know, I've, I've got doubts about the voice or I support the voice, but, you know, I, I'm not sure where the discussion is going. Um, Anthony Albanese today at the launch of the Cultural Policy was talking a lot about the voice and how central it was and certainly 
First Nations um, culture is a central part of this platform. But I think the government's perspective on all of this is, look, you know, why don't you all take a chill pill deal? Um, you know, it's all fine. It'll all be okay. Um, we've got groups like the arts community, like the business community, the churches, ethnic groups, all the state premiers and chief ministers are on board on this. We haven't really started the campaign in earnest, but of course today we've also seen the official launch of the No campaign with people like Senator Price, Warren Mundine um, involved in that. and um, Former Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson. Yes. And an ex-Labor MP who I must say well, I never liked Gary much. Johns. Gary yeah. Johns, yeah. Yes, who's always been, you know, Quite quite a long way to the right to be you know to be clear about this. I think that would that would not be a, a mischaracterisation of Gary Johns, but um, but you know you're starting to see much more organised opposition to this. Um, people are looking to the prime minister to you know for signs that you know this this is a debate that that he is going to run effectively. Um, because it could, it has the potential to be incredibly divisive and damaging, whatever the result is. But um, my take on it is the Prime Minister's pretty um, confident. Um, now, that might be because everybody was nervous about whether he was going to win the election and he sort of said, look, you know, it's all, it's all going to be OK. So maybe it's um, false confidence on his part, but... Well, it's a, it's, it's a view I share, as I said last week. I just feel in my bones it's going to sort of be OK, but uh, mm. we, we live in hope. Look, Laura, thanks very much for that. Laura will be back next week. She's a Chief Political Correspondent, 7.30. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.